Chapter nine of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois René de Chateaubriand. Chapter nine. Paris, November eighteen twenty one. Recall of Monsieur Necker. Sitting of the fourth of August, seventeen eighty nine. The fifth of October the king brought to paris monsieur necker the third successor of turgot calon and tabouret were the two preceding was recalled to the ministry on the twenty fifth of july inaugurated and received with fetes in his honour but the events of the time soon left him in the rear and he became unpopular it was one of the singularities of the time that such a grave personage should have been raised to the ministry by the savoir faire of a man of such ordinary talent and so frivolous as the marquis de Pezet the comte rendu which substituted the system of loans for that of taxation in france gave an impetus to ideas on this subject even women discussed expenses and receipts for the first time people saw or thought they saw something in the financial ciphering machine these calculations painted of a colour a la thomas had first established the reputation of the director-general of finance an able treasurer but an economist poor in expedients a noble but inflated author a worthy man but without any high degree of virtue the banker was one of those old-fashioned personages who came before the curtain to explain the piece to the public and disappeared when it rose Monsieur necker was the father of madame de steel but his vanity hardly permitted him to imagine that his true claim to the remembrance of posterity would lie in the fame of his daughter the monarchy was demolished as rapidly as the bastille in the sitting of the national assembly on the evening of the fourth of august those in the present day who influenced by hatred of the past cry out against the nobility forget that it was a member of this nobility Viscount Noailles, aided by the Duc d'Aguillon and Mathieu de Montmorency, who overthrew the edifice which was the object of revolutionary ill-will. On the motion of the feudal deputy, feudal rights, the rights of the chase, of the pigeon-house and warren, tithes and field-rents, privileges of orders, towns and provinces, personal servitude, seigneurial jurisdiction and venality of office were abolished. The heaviest blow struck at the old constitution came from the hands of men of rank. The patricians began the revolution, the plebeians finished it, and as old France owed its glory to its nobility, so does young France owe its liberty, if liberty there be for France. The troops encamped in the environs of Paris had been removed, yet by one of those contradictory counsels to the opposite winds of which the king's will bent like a reed, the Flanders regiment was summoned to Versailles. The bodyguards gave a banquet to the officers of this regiment, the wine had its influence, the queen made her appearance with the dauphin in the midst of the festivity, the health of the royal family was given then came the king the band played the touching and favourite air o richard o mon roi the news of this banquet soon reached paris the revolutionists immediately took it up crying out that louis refused his sanction to the declaration of rights with the intention of escaping to metz with count d'estaing marat encouraged and spread the rumour he was already writing l'ami du peuple the fifth of october arrived i was not a witness of the events of that day but early on the sixth full accounts of it reached the capital a visit from the king was announced at the same time though timid in a saloon i was bold in public i felt myself made for solitude or the forum i hastened to the champs elysees first came the cannon on which every variety of disreputable women seated astride talked and gesticulated with disgusting indecency then amidst a multitude of every age and sex marched the king's bodyguard who had exchanged hats swords and belts with the national guard they were on foot and behind came their horses on each of which were mounted two or three fishwomen, dirty and drunken bacchanals. 
then came the deputation of the national assembly then the king's carriages seen through the dusty haze of a forest of pikes and bayonets rag-pickers all in tatters butchers with bloody aprons and naked knives at their belts walked beside the carriage doors other black satyrs had climbed to the top others hung on to the footman's steps to the coach-box musket and pistol-shots were fired and the mob cried here are the baker the baker's wife and the little baker's boy two guards heads dressed and powdered by a hairdresser of sevres were borne aloft on swiss halberts before the son of st louis in place of a royal ensign the astronomer bailly declared to the king in the hotel de ville that the people humane respectful and faithful had just conquered their king and the king on his side much touched and satisfied declared that he had come to paris of his own free will unworthy falsehoods of violence and of fear which at that time disgraced all parties and individuals louis the sixteenth was not false he was weak weakness is not falseness but it stands in its stead and fulfils its functions the respect which should be inspired by the virtues and misfortunes of the saintly and martyred king renders any human judgment upon him almost sacrilegious constituent assembly the deputies quitted versailles and held their first sitting on the nineteenth of october in one of the large rooms of the archbishop's palace on the ninth of november they removed to the riding-house near the tuileries the remainder of the year seventeen eighty nine witnessed the successive decrees which despoiled the clergy destroyed the old magistracy and created the assignats the resolution of the commune of paris to appoint the first committee of inquiry and the order of the judges for the prosecution of the marquis de favras the constituent assembly notwithstanding all that may have been said against it nevertheless must continue to be regarded as the most illustrious popular assembly which ever appeared among nations both on account of the magnitude of its designs and the vast importance of their results there was no great political question which was not brought under its consideration and suitably resolved what would have been the case if it had continued itself to the resolution of the states-general and had not gone beyond all that experience in human knowledge had conceived discovered and elaborated for three centuries are to be found in the minutes of its proceedings the various abuses of the old monarchy are there pointed out and their remedies proposed all the principles of liberty are asserted even the freedom of the press all the necessary ameliorations are demanded for industry manufactures trade highways the army taxation finance colleges public education etc we have traversed without advantage the abysses of crime and the heights of glory the republic and the empire have promoted no advance the empire has only wielded the brute force of the arms which the republic set in motion it has left us the principle of centralization a species of vigorous administration which i regard as an evil but which alone perhaps was sufficient to replace local administrations when they were destroyed and anarchy and ignorance everywhere ruled supreme since the time of the constituent assembly we have not advanced a single step its labours are like those of the great physician of antiquity which at once marked out and fixed the limits of science we will now refer to some of the members of that assembly and first of all fix our attention on mirabeau who may be regarded as the pre-eminent illustration of them all End of chapter nine